Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesinov. This week's episode is another solo episode from me and was actually spawned from a conversation that I recently had with a very good friend of mine, a man incidentally. The subject was once again getting older and when is one old and when is one too old? Both of us have made radical changes in our lives and have effectively started over at something new at 50 plus, a time when many of our peers are sticking out those last few years on the road to retirement. In fact, when I started London Heal last year, a few of my peers commented on how brave or indeed how foolish it was to be starting something new at my time of life. And I didn't want to think of this at all. And I certainly didn't want to think of slowing down, which is what they all seem to be heading towards. I have to be honest and say this totally freaked me out at the time, because being too old and start something new hadn't actually even entered my mind. Plus, I'm in my 50s, not my 70s. And quite frankly, so what if I was in my 70s or 90s for that matter? I sort of semi-successfully pushed these comments aside and 47 episodes later, I clearly went for it. But those comments and the general attitudes to age and aging still occasionally rear their ugly head and throw me a little bit off balance. I freely admit there are days when I spend hours researching a new subject for an episode or I'm trying to get my head around some new piece of technology and I sit back and I think, what the hell am I doing? I could be sitting back and comfortably heading towards retirement instead of constantly being at the bottom of some new learning curve. But let's think about that for a moment. What are the expectations of those waiting for retirement? When I listen to the moans and groans of what happened in the office, what an idiot so-and-so is from accounts, and the commute each day is a nightmare, and so on and so forth, I realize that these are generally unsatisfied people. There's sort of an undercurrent of working in order to pay the bills, and even more so to maintain the appearance of being a respectable and contributing member of society. And then when retirement rolls around, that's finally the time that has been duly earned to do as one pleases, even if that's absolutely nothing, and then be happy. You see, I just don't buy into that model of the world and I never have done. It's probably to do with my impatience and complete intolerance of boredom. But I want to enjoy what I'm doing right now and always have done and every minute of each day. In fact, my husband often says that I reinvent myself on a daily basis or a yearly basis, perhaps. And I often thought, oh, does that mean he thinks I'm flaky? But in actual fact, I think that's just innately part of my personality. I love to learn new things and I love expanding my horizons. And yes, I do get frustrated learning novel technologies and new science and philosophies, But that's actually part of the fun. And it may sound really cliched, but that's why I really don't see what I do as work. Instead, it's actually really rather fun. And right now, I can't imagine wanting to do anything else. And then I think of the American psychologist, Abraham Maslow, and his paper, which was published in 1943, describing the hierarchy of human needs. 
I think we're all familiar with that famous pyramid where needs lower down in the hierarchy must be satisfied before individuals can attend to the needs higher up. From the bottom of the hierarchy pyramid upwards, the needs are physiological, safety, love and belonging, esteem, and then they pinnacle with self-actualization or doing what you love and feel you were meant to do, i.e. your purpose. Although Maslow's work was describing human motivation, I think one can also equate that with happiness. So I wonder, if you actually spend a life or at least 60-odd years of a life not having some or all of these needs met, especially the pinnacle of self-actualization or purpose, does that actually just simply wear you out and make you feel old and tired? Does it even actively contribute to the signs and diseases associated with aging? I recently saw an interview with Barbara Marks Hubbard, the greatest advocate of conscious evolution. This amazing woman is in her 80s, is as bright as a button and shows no signs of slowing down. Indeed, she maintains that in fulfilling her purpose, in being self-actualizing, she is sending signals to her body that it has to stay vital and healthy because she still needs to get a lot of stuff done and important stuff at that. It's an interesting thought, and I'm pretty confident that there's something to that. And when my moments of doubt and weariness come along, I try to remember this, and I have to admit it helps. Our perception of our own aging is also an interesting phenomenon. I'm led to thinking of Marissa Peer's rules of the mind, that one of the most important aspects of feeling good and staying young and healthy are the words that you say to yourself and the pictures that you make in your head. Now, as for the pictures, I have to say I still look 21 in my head. I know this is true because, firstly, I get a total shock every morning when I look in the mirror, and I often catch myself picking out a garment in a clothes store only to remember that short skirts might look great on my 20-year-old daughter, but I would definitely be a case of mutton dressed as lamb. Not that I think that age should restrict our fashion choices, but I'm quite frankly too vain to just look plain ridiculous. And in my humble opinion, there is an age limit on miniskirts. But joking apart, this is actually a real issue. If you get up every morning and look in the mirror and start saying things like, I look old, or look at these wrinkles, or that bit wasn't as saggy as the last time I looked, you really are programming your mind to feel old and ultimately sending signals to your body to be old. There's a heap of evidence that your mind has a huge effect on aging, longevity, and indeed life itself. We've all heard of the people who suddenly drop down dead months after they retire or lose a beloved spouse. Equally, we know that losing a job or being made redundant, what a horrendous word, can lead to depression, illness, and perhaps even premature death. Feeling good about yourself, feeling useful, worthwhile, and valued is essential at any time of life, but perhaps even more so when we get past a certain chronological age. It's already hard to feel beautiful and enough when you're 20, considering all the Instagram photos, Photoshop this, that and the other, billboard adverts telling us how we should look. 
But this external evaluation of how you should look, and even more important, what you can accomplish, becomes absolutely hideous when you get past 50. I personally cannot stand the way older people are treated or cutesy these days. When someone really old is interviewed or even spoken to, they're spoken to loudly and slowly and marveled at for apparently just having woken up that morning. They're treated like a child and addressed in a way that's normally reserved for a five-year-old. I fully appreciate that many elderly people perhaps are a little hard of hearing and many are sadly suffering from dementia. But even those that are still, still hale and hearty are treated in this way as though they no longer belong to the normal group of people. But they are now in some special section of, oh my, isn't it amazing she can still pick up a teacup and stir the tea by herself. I strongly suspect that my attitudes to this have been deeply influenced by my members of my own family. Most of the female members of my family have made it well into their 80s and a few into their 90s. And there are several who abjectly refuse to let age get in their way. Now, I admit, I'm sure they've all been blessed with really good genes, but an attitude and their attitude has a lot to do with it. For example, the week before my own mother passed away last year at the ripe age of 91, she remarked that she feared she was getting old, with emphasis on the word getting. I also recently read an article in the New York Times about how to address people in their later years, because apparently baby boomers, and I'm right at the end of the baby boomer category, Baby boomers don't want to admit that they're getting old and are offended by the terms elderly or senior. Whilst in principle, I agree with this desire to remain youthful and vigorous and vital, I have a real problem with denying aging. It would appear that the only alternative to being old is pretending one isn't and one is actually still young. Our youth-obsessed culture means we lie about our age. We undergo risky surgeries and spend an absolute fortune on anti-aging products. But I have to ask, is this really the right approach? It's true that being an older woman is not easy. It's true that you become invisible to a certain degree at a certain age. Of course, one can argue that nature decrees men find young women attractive because young means fertile and biology has programmed that in order to further the species. Odd that we consider ourselves to have conquered nature in almost all aspects other than this. I have experienced many women who fall into states of deep depression and despair when they reach menopause because it is the end of that fertile period and they find they have to redefine their roles as women and have real trouble doing that. But why do we feel that this is something to hide or pretend isn't the case? The three ages of women have been defined as the maiden, the mother and the crone. And I have to admit, I'm quite happy with being a crone. For me, I can only speak for myself. I'm rather glad that the days of being hit on by creepy guys or a potential employer finding a politically correct excuse to refuse employment, which is actually based in the fear of a potential pregnancy and all the associated complications. I'm glad those days are over. 
But the word crone says it all. It's a horrible word. Immediately it conjures up the idea of a wizened old lady at best or one of the three witches from the Scottish play at worst. But a crone is also a wise woman, one who's actually experienced a lot of what life has to teach us and who can proffer advice and instruction to those younger and less experienced. Why is this no longer valued? In many indigenous peoples, the older members of a society are revered and respected and not considered laughable, cute, weak, and past it. When young men and women go through rituals for their rites of passage into adulthood, they're often accompanied and guided by an elder who engenders trust simply by virtue of their age and experience. As we were discussing this topic, my friend made the very valid argument that may be one reason why so many of our young people suffer depression, anxiety, feelings of being lost, disconnected and disorientated is because they have no elders to guide them. In times where we leave our elder relatives to either live alone or move into senior residences and we kind of conveniently package them off out of the way, are we actually missing out on one of our most valuable resources? I recall my mother telling me that in the Greek culture, one says that grandchildren are twice your child and therefore even more care and attention is deserved by them than your own children. And speaking to Michael Dixon in last week's episode on social prescribing, he also made a plea for bringing together school children and seniors in retirement homes we sort of assume that the young are there to entertain and look after the old, but perhaps we're totally underestimating the value of the older person on the young. My daughter, age 20, also mentioned that she experiences an immense sense of pressure to get it all done by 30. When a young person goes through the classical education route and potentially further education, it's a pretty tough call to expect someone to make it from zero to hero in just a few short years. This idea that if you haven't made it by your 30s is completely insane, especially in light of the increased life expectancy. Those born around the year 2000 have a predicted life expectancy of around 100. So what's the rush? I certainly don't have all the answers in dealing well with aging, and I chose to record this episode to trigger a discussion on this topic, because like it or not, our populations in the West are getting older, and there's going to be a lot of us old fogies around. One of the reasons I started London Heal was to explore ancient, modern, novel, and natural ways to live healthy for longer. Perhaps one way to shift the perspective on aging is to actually accept responsibility and recognize that the onus is actually on us to make sure that we age as well and as healthily as we can. We have to educate ourselves on what it means to look after our health, to take our power back, and to fully engage in living now and every day that we have left on this earth. I'm very much reminded of the episode with Dr. Mike Merzenich on brain plasticity. Our brains are plastic, and even the structures that allow this plasticity are plastic. We have to keep 
actively engaging our brains. We have to be engaged and in constant states of learning and experiencing. And that means making it matter, not only in terms of taking the time and making the commitment to actually doing this, but understanding that doing what we love, what inspires us, what pushes us outside of our comfort zones is actually vital. Don't get me wrong, I love technology and progress, and nobody wants to go back to living in a cave. But we have to appreciate that a good life and health is also an inside job. We need to eat well, to sleep well, to exercise, to get out into nature, and to nurture our loving relationships. We have to limit our exposure to toxins. We have to manage our stress and we have to put a lot of effort into building resilience. Our world is fast-paced and not really ideally suited to our physiology or psychology. Understanding how our mind and bodies actually work and appreciating that they're connected and that we can't assume that all things modern life has to offer are actually good for us, I think is essential in maintaining health, happiness and serenity and as far as aging is concerned it's also up to us to stay as healthy and as vital as we can and to engage in life in such a way that older people aren't just written off as useful i for one aspire to doing just that and i really hope that you will all join me and i'd be really interested to find out what your attitudes are to aging and how we can change this picture of what it means to grow old. The words we often hear are to grow old gracefully. Well, what does that mean? Grace is partly a sense of acceptance, but not acceptance that decrepitude and decay are all that await us as the years roll past. Quite the opposite. We enter different stages of life, and each stage of life has a huge amount to offer. I love the fact that I don't have the kind of um, inner, what's the word I'm really looking for, that inner impatience perhaps that I used to have when I was a younger person. I now have the ability to take my time to review things, to look over things, to think about things. I don't just, you know, react to things violently. I've spent a lot of time and energy understanding who I am, where I've come from, what my patterns are, trying to break them in some cases successfully, in others I admit absolutely not. I understand that I'm not 20 anymore and that's okay because being 20 was great when I was 20, but I'm not 20 and being 50 plus has a huge amount to offer. And I'm looking forward to being 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, whatever I'm going to be gifted with life on this planet, however long that might be. And each phase of life has something enormous to offer. But we have to embrace that and not run away from it. And we really also have to invest a huge amount into keeping ourselves as vital and as engaged and as healthy as possible in order to be able to do that. And giving back, giving back to society in general, and especially those younger and less wise than ourselves, I think is a huge gift. 
And I really relish the prospect of being able to exercise that gift for many, many years to come. So that's it for me for this week. I'm now going to get off my soapbox, but I really, really love to hear your feedback on this subject because I think it's so important and I think it's really up to us to change the face of aging and not pretend that it doesn't exist, but actually value it and honor it and make it something that young people can look forward to and aspire to, and especially that we ourselves look forward and aspire to it. And so on that note, my dear listeners, I wish you all, as always, health, happiness, and serenity. And as always, I ask you to, to please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. If you find this episode has triggered a little bit of a question mark and a conversation in your mind and pass it on to those and, and start these conversations, have them. And maybe you can drop a few comments on the bottom of the post on our Facebook page. I'd be really interested to know or let us know via an email. You can contact us really easily through the new website at londonheal.com. And don't forget, if you want to become a London Heal Insider and receive exclusive access to extended show notes for future episodes, then please sign up over at londonheal.com. So until next week, once again, I wish you all, from the bottom of my heart, health, happiness, and serenity.